friends, welcome to this edition of We Need God, a podcast by Father Andrew Carroza, a priest of the Archdiocese of New York and pastor of St. Anne's Parish in Yonkers, New York. We Need God will address why we need God in our lives, how to know who He truly is, and how to follow Him with an authentic faith that will change our lives. It is especially directed towards young adults to help them wade through the many confusing opinions of modern religion that affect them. Please relax now and join Father Carroza for this episode. Hello, and welcome back. In our last episode, we discussed how we can prove the existence of God just by logic and reason. And I ultimately made the point that I find it is far better for us if God exists than if he doesn't. Because if God doesn't exist, then you and I are simply cosmic dust left over from the Big Bang. But if he does exist, then according to our Christian tradition, we are here on this earth at this time because we are loved by God and willed into existence and that he cares about us. But of course, we want to know the truth about God. Is it important that we know who God is? Why is it necessary? Can we not simply discern our own belief in God and figure out who we think God is and follow him? Well, let's take a drastic example to try to prove that that is not possible. Imagine in my own experience, I should come to believe that a piece of chalk that we would use in a classroom is God himself. And I decide to call that God Belshar. And I create a religion all around Belshar and tell everybody what they should do and what Belshar wants of us and everything. And people believe me. And we start worshiping Belshar faithfully day after day. And it's wonderful. It meets my needs. It makes me feel good. It's everything I want a God to be. And then I go to the doctor and I discover that I have cancer. If I go home and now kneel in prayer before that piece of chalk, is that piece of chalk going to help me? Is he going to cure me? Is he going to comfort me as I deal with the cancer? Obviously not. And I know that's a drastic example. Obviously nobody would come to something like that in this day and age. But I think it does make the point that we have to know the truth about God. Even subtle differences in our understanding of God can lead us in the wrong direction. So it is important to know not just what we think about God, but whom he truly is. And I hear a lot of people today saying, well, I'm spiritual, but I don't need a formal religion. I mean, why does it matter? Can't we just figure out God for ourselves and follow him? Well, if we were to do that, just like the example of Belshar, even if we didn't go to that extreme, our discovery of God would be based upon our own experiences, what we've come across in life, how we feel, what we think. And that would be very limited. We don't have the experience of all of creation, of all of history, of all of humanity and what they deal with. So we would not find the totality of God, but we would find God only according to our own senses and what we have perceived him to be. And we can make major errors and respond in ways that are terribly harmful to ourselves and to others by doing that. A look through history will show us the truth of that. There has never been a society that did not grapple somehow with the existence of God in some form or another. Virtually every society we've discovered has had some 
experience with dealing with a deity, with a greater power. But what did they come up with? Most societies largely came up with angry gods, gods that had to appease or had to be appeased by human beings. They required sacrifice. In simple ones such as the Romans and the Greeks, it was incense in the temple, but you worshipped Jupiter or Neptune or Mars or whomever because you were afraid of them, to keep them off your back so they didn't smite you during the day, that they might be angry that you didn't worship them and therefore they may get you. Others came up with far more serious things and people demanding or gods demanding far greater sacrifices. When the Israelites returned to the Promised Land after their time in Egypt, as we hear in the Bible, they came across the Canaanites living there, some of whom were worshipping the god Molech. And Molech was a god that they believed demanded human sacrifice of them, most specifically child sacrifice. And whenever there was a drought, they would offer their young children in sacrifice to Molech, hoping that the rains would come. And they found that so abhorrent that the area where they performed those sacrifices, once they chased the Canaanites out, they felt could be used for no other purpose. It had been so defiled, and they used it as their garbage pit, where they would throw everything and forever have a fire that would burn, and would be the only place or the only thing suitable or appropriate for that place. And that place was called Gehenna. And that's the image that Jesus uses when he talks about being thrown into Gehenna. And it's the basis of our image of hell as a place of perpetual fire. Because the Israelites did that when they encountered Moloch and his followers. But of course such belief was hardly restricted to Israel. Throughout the world we find cultures that practiced human sacrifice. Sometimes they were captured enemies. Sometimes they were slaves. Others, they were even their children, children and teenagers being offered to the gods. And of course, we know now that there was no reason for all of this. Their religious beliefs were mistaken. They worshipped the natural forces of nature as if they were gods and thought they had to sacrifice other human beings in order to appease these forces of nature. I'm very glad we've come a long way since those days that we don't have such problems today anymore. Today, I doubt that anybody would come up with any sort of a deity of that nature in our modern world. But I think we forget that even our own opinion of God is so created by our Christian roots, our own understanding of God, that it is still the God of the scriptures, even if we don't seem to feel the need for a formal religion. We still work with that understanding. And that gives us one hopeful thing that so many other of the ancient religions did not have, is that all of us basically underneath understand God to be a loving God. But you know what? That was actually brand new to Christianity. And the Roman world, when Christianity came into it, it caught the ancient world by storm. Surely the God of Israel was a God of love, but you had to be born a Jew in order to be a full recipient of God's love. With Christianity, that love was now made available to everyone. And a prayer that Christians pray each and every day that we often don't even think about praying, or the meaning of it, caught the ancient world by storm. And that is the Our Father. Now we translate Pater Noster from Latin into Our Father, but the original Hebrew word is Abba, which literally means Daddy. 
and Jesus taught his followers, when you pray, say, Daddy. Almost like a little child whose father comes home from work and she sees him and says, Daddy, and goes running into his loving embrace. That was the image that Jesus gave us to have with our father. So that is something that you and I are prejudiced with. Why can't we just step back, though, and accept anybody's opinion of God, even if they don't see God in the Judeo-Christian way? Well, can't we just tolerate things? After all, we do have freedom of religion. Well, can't we just let people be? Well, even all of our freedoms have limits to them. The limits of our freedoms end where they hurt somebody else. And there are still some people in the world with harmful religious beliefs. For example, the Muslim extremists back in 9-11, uh, 2001, who believed that Allah hated Americans and would be pleased with them if they flew, the, flew their planes into buildings and killed Americans, that he would reward them in heaven. Well, we can't tolerate that. Many people I know lost loved ones in that day. And it was terribly painful and horrible for them. We all went through horrible days because of that. And no, we cannot tolerate religious beliefs such as that. And that's why it's urgent that we help other people find the truth about God so that we're not leading people into error. So how do we find the truth about God? First of all, we have to ask God to reveal himself to us. We are a people of revelation. We can figure out God exists but not much more than that. We need him to tell us who and what he is. And so we turn to him saying, Lord, you reveal yourself to me. And why do we need an organized formal religion to do that? Well, imagine it this way. Suppose you get a car that's given to you, only the car is not all assembled. You just get boxes full of parts and you're told to take all the parts and put them together. No manual, no understanding of how these things go. Are you going to put it together? Well, you may try, and maybe somebody with a lot of expertise might be able to do so, but you know what? You're probably going to be frustrated and just give up in disgust. Maybe over time, many people working together might discover little by little, hey, this piece goes here, that piece goes there, and by trial and error, or trial and error, excuse me, discover how these things work. And over the course of time, they might finally discover, hey, this is how the car goes together. Well, if you had all that knowledge, and then somebody else comes along and gets a box of pieces, the same way they had just learned it, would they say, no, I don't want to learn from your experience. Just let me make it up on my own. Let me find out for myself. I've got to learn for myself how to put this car together. Well, of course, that would be absurd. The first thing we'd want to do is know what they've already learned so that we don't have to learn everything by trial and error. We can take advantage of their wisdom, their experience, their errors, and what they have acknowledged and come to see as true. And it can lead us more easily into putting that car together and then using it for its purposes. 
And so, with an organized religion, we benefit from the wisdom of others who have come before us, and we can also share our experiences with each other to figure out what are the, indeed, real ways God is revealing himself to us, and what are healthy ways of responding to him, and what ways we've discovered by our own experience are not good, and that we need to avoid. And our shared experience with each other in formal worship is so important in helping us do that, so that we're not left to ourselves to learn everything by trial and error. So therefore, a formal religion, a formal organized cultic worship is necessary, because we help each other learn the truth about God and support each other with our own experiences, just like anybody would do with any type of support group for any difficulty they have. In our next episode, we will talk about looking at all the different formal religions out there and trying to decide and make our way through all the differences of opinions that are out there, that with all of these different religions out there, how can we figure out which one is the truth? And may God bless you. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. If you enjoyed this podcast, please pass the word on to your friends and invite them to listen. For more materials from Father Carosa, please visit www.fathercarosa.com.